and welcome to a new episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. I am your host, Katerina Burenova. Each week, we dive into a blend of topics that resonate with the soul. Whether you're an architect enthusiast, have a passion for wanderlust, want to discover holistic approaches to rejuvenate your body and mind, or are intrigued to learn about Vastu Shastra with a modern approach, you've come to the right place. Join me as I sit down with inspiring, like-minded women from various walks of life. We will delve into their journeys to discuss the challenges and moments that define their paths. So sit back, relax, and let the spark of positive energy ignite your curiosity. Today I am joined by Aya Schlachter, architect, mother, CEO, and founder of MGS Global Group, a drafting service that provides Revit, ArchiCAD, CAD drafting, and 3D rendering services for architecture and design firms. And she is also the host of Architect My Life podcast. Aya, welcome to From the Honeycomb podcast. Thanks, Katerina. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. And as you know, we begin every episode by sharing something that we are grateful for in the present moment. So what are you grateful for? I'm super grateful for all my relationships with my family, with my friends, my colleagues, my staff. People say that the biggest cause of stress and death is like being lonely And so now I'm super grateful for the people that surround me and also the resources I have. I introduce people. I'm a connector, right? So I also, apart from my relationships, I'm happy that I'm able to share my connections to other people to uplift everyone's lives, especially during the holidays. I had a lot of guests that were, you know, alone in the holidays. And I didn't realize that until my sister was, Aya, you know, you really are a good human being. I'm like, why? A lot of these people didn't have family and I brought them all together and it was wonderful. So yeah, I'm grateful for all my friends and people that are in my life. I love that. No, that's so true. Finding that community and how powerful that can be and you don't feel lonely. And I'm definitely sensing that, especially in through social media and like connecting with you, you know, where we connected the mental health summit that Joanne put together, who she was a guest previously on the podcast the sense of community and that understanding that people are going through what you're going through or it's just you feel less alone. Yeah, especially during the holidays, right? Absolutely. I mean, some people are lucky to have family and friends, but some people, the holidays are really bad for them. So for some reason, I had all these people with no family or family were out of town and we just had a wonderful time. And I'm Filipino and we did karaoke and we're singing. I mean, that's a Filipino thing. We have like a karaoke at every party. So oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's that awesome. Great. <laughs> Sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Tell us where your architecture background, why did you decide to become an architect and what has led you to, what is your journey to today? So I wanted to be a fashion designer and, and just, my dad was like, you know what, I know you're a creative, but just take up architecture because it's the foundation of all arts. Mm. So I did, I was 16. I graduated high school at 16. So I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I just said, okay, dad. And I became, you know, I went to school in NJIT and then I went for my master's in Columbia and that was it. And I kind of really liked architecture, but specifically urban design, which led me to um, Columbia University because my goal was to go back home to the Philippines and help with public housing and maybe create interventions for parks 
because where I'm from, it's very congested and it was not a design city. So I wanted to really uplift, you know, the the way of life for the people in the Philippines, mm -hmm. especially by proposing public parks and things like that. But when I met my boyfriend then and now husband, you know, I'm like, I'm not going back to the Philippines. <laughs> so I ended up here working for traditional firms. Mm -hmm. I worked for three architecture firms or four, maybe one in Connecticut and three in New York City. But I had a traumatic time, like a lot of architects, you burn out and like, it's not any more balanced. So when I gave birth to my daughter, I, we got my husband and I, you know, we got married. When I gave birth to my daughter, I decided just to stay home and like chill. I did, but I knew I was going to start a business because I'm an entrepreneur by DNA. So I wanted to start a business, but I didn't know what. So when I gave birth to my daughter, I started doing the ARE exams. Mm -hmm. Wow. But then, yeah, you know, like studying here, you know, like yeah, not yeah. maybe I waited three months, but I started the process. But wow. then um, some of my former bosses and friends asked me if I was open to doing CDs and drafting. So I'm like, sure, why not? So I started drafting from my one bedroom apartment in Queens while breastfeeding my daughter. Uh -huh. Wow. And then I got a big break with this company coach, the bag stores. Mm -hmm. One of my friends worked there and he asked me to do some store design. And I said, sure. Mm -hmm. But it was so kind of very simple that I said, give me more work. Give me more work. So they did. Mm -hmm. They just kept on giving me work. I hired my friends and my coworkers for nights and weekends work. So I started a drafting company in my studio apartment or in a one bedroom in wow. Queens. So that's how I started drafting. I got a big break by drafting for Coach. We did around so many stores for them. Mm -hmm. And I still tried to get my exams. I've been still trying to get my exams. But right now, we're a full-blown drafting company. Nice. So that it all started in my one-bedroom apartment in Queens. That's incredible. Because yeah. I was looking at your website. You have quite a staff now. We're up you to 40, I think. <laughs> That's incredible. And to grow from just your one-bedroom apartment to now having such a large staff, what was that growth like? Because did that come quickly, it seemed? Actually, it was a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. When your first client turns out to be like a major client, right? Mm -hmm. The growth was easy. I had one client. It was amazing. We did so many jobs. When coach, you know, during the recession, you know, we stopped the first recession in 2008, I stopped doing work for coach mm -hmm. because the one was building. And then Michael Kors called me, the, you know, and they asked me to do drafting and I did. And so after the, but you know, after 2008 recession, we started drafting. We started with four shops per month. To, at our peak, we were doing a hundred stores per month. At wow. that point, I already had like 10 employees. Again, it, it was a blessing, right? Because mm -hmm. Everything is very automated. It's very systematic. When you're doing store design times, we've done around 4,000. So I say it as a blessing and a curse. A blessing because I had cash flow for six years. Mm -hmm. But then I was living in the Philippines. Then I moved back home to start the business. But we moved mm -hmm. back to the States when I had my second son. I met my second child. But I didn't realize that, you know, I was busy being mom. You know, my kids were I think six and four when I moved back here. I was okay. busy being mom. Everything was very automated. You know, we had a system. But but my husband, who who was working with me in finance, was like, hey, Aya, did you realize that your pipeline is now down to 40 from 100? Because oh, I wow. didn't pay attention. He said, we can hardly support our staff. That's why I call it a curse, too, because 
I got too comfortable with just two clients now in the retail space that I was blindsided. I was too busy focusing on my kids and setting up a new life here, which is also important. But as a business owner, you need to really think about marketing and branding yourself because Mm -hmm. what happens is when people only do branding and marketing when it's too late. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened. So in 2016, with Amazon and all of the online shopping, we really, I had to lay off like half of my staff, which was painful. Oh no. Yeah. So we started again from scratch. I hired a business development consultant. I said, I need to make money fast <laughs> because, because I can't pay my payroll and like my bills. And he's, he looked at my website and he's like, you know what? Your website is full of pretty pictures, but I can't sell you. We got to start from scratch rebranding. Right. Mm. So we had to rebrand and then start again and diversify. So in 2016 and 17, we rebranded MG. MG Schlock. It was MG Schlockter then. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of marketing, digital marketing. And it was a rough period, but overall with marketing and branding, it really helped with sustainable growth. So, you know, I would my my message for architects, don't rely on referral and organic growth. You need to really make sure your blind spots are covered. Like with the current pandemic, you know, I was able to to still make it through, but it was not easy, basically especially for us architects who are not trained to run a business. Absolutely. And I resonate so much with what you've said, because now, you know, as of last year, I'm a business owner and it's, you know, my first few months were really great. I was getting referrals and this is the first month now that I'm feeling a sense of like, okay, well, I've got some projects, but where are my next ones going to come from? And like you said, the marketing. And so that's what I'm working on in the background now is like, you always have to be thinking as a business owner 10, 20 steps ahead because, and you, the problem is though, you have to be thinking 10 steps, 20 steps ahead for a future that you don't know what's going to happen. Like who could have thought the pandemic would have happened? Who could have thought, you know, Amazon would have taken over and you would have had less stores, you know, to design. It's just, you're constantly thinking of all these scenarios that will come up and how will your business evolve with whatever is thrown at you from multiple angles. Yes. And also one of the things is being a business owner is long game. So for you as a young entrepreneur and, you know, new business owner, if you plant the seeds now, right, Mm -hmm. in about three, four years, it will really just, it will flourish, right? What you're doing with the podcast, and I'm super impressed by everything you're doing because I'm also a podcaster and it's amazing. You're over a hundred episodes, but you're doing the right thing by planting the seeds. Now you will never know when your next your biggest client can come from, right? Mm-hmm. One time I got asked to speak at a, in the Philippines where I graduated. My high school asked me to speak in a career or whatever. Like they wanted to interview people with different backgrounds. I don't like going to my high school reunions because mm-hmm. I was so awkward in high school. Like I don't like, do you know what I mean? I get it. Like, I, get it. I, I have not gone to my high My high school reunion was supposed to happen in 2020. And thank yeah. God for the, for the pandemic because we had no reunion <laughs> So I, I went to the reunion, not the reunion, but, you know, I had to see old because I was so dorky in high school, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I showed up and then I sat next to this lady who's a businesswoman now. And like we were chit chatting and she's like, hey, what do you do? I said, I do architecture support. We're an architecture company. He's like, oh, I actually am building a mall in whatever, you know, in my province. Can Are you open to doing work in the Philippines? 
And I'm like, sure, even though I'm not a licensed architect in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Anyway, long story short, I partnered up with an architect of record there. We built a huge lifestyle mall with like retail, wow. commercial. It won here in Cleveland, AIA and the Design Awards. At It was huge. It was a huge project. That's because I showed up to my reunion. Right. You know, go to the church events, go to the fundraiser, mm-hmm. go to the hang out with, with the community. You'll never know who, you're, who you'll find. Sometimes it's not transactional. Like if I go to this networking event, who can I potentially meet? So I showed up and then this huge mall is now, it's in Ormoc. It's this town, small city in, outside the Philippines. But it won mm-hmm. the People's Choice Awards in Cleveland, AIA. Wow. So that's my point. Like just show up. Don't expect. Like if you're super transactional and like you want to know, it's never going to happen, right? It's like, mm-hmm. that's the way I, I go through life. I go to events. Maybe I'll meet people, but maybe I'll meet good friends. Maybe I'll meet mm-hmm. clients, but maybe I can connect people to each other. So it's just widening the network and being, you know, having a good solid network around you. No, absolutely. It is. It's so true. It's, it's yes, going to networking events because I've seen those have been helpful and I'm part of local business clubs and, and that's been great. It's been helpful socially as well, just to connect with other business owners. But I like that you said even going to, yeah, your school, but you never know. Like yesterday I was at a, we have Ganal Lumber, which is this, it's like a Home Depot, but it's more specific for contractors. And we have one of those. And I was looking at some shingle samples and one of the guys was helping me and we, you know, he brought in a forklift. I was looking at the samples and we were talking and I said, you know, I'm an architect. He's like, oh, okay, that's amazing. And so he's like, well, what are you thinking about for this project? We're talking about material, you know, is it fire resistant, this material? We're going through everything. And so I thank him for helping me like look at the samples. And before I leave, he's like, actually, can I have your card? And I said, yeah, sure. And he goes, because my wife and I are thinking about designing a house in Hawaii. And I'm like, well, I'm in California, but Hawaii sounds amazing. (laughs) And it's saying yes to all of these opportunities. And I like that you brought up also the international aspect of, you know, you built a project in the Philippines, yet it won an award in Cleveland. And what I've noticed this past year is before I became my own business owner and had my own firm, I thought if I'm licensed in California, this is the only place I can practice architecture. This is the only place I'll be able to work. I can't, you know, if I move, I'll have to start all over again. 50% of the projects or the referrals I get are from outside of California. That's great. I mean, there's a project potentially on the East Coast that I'm looking at in India. Like there's and just being open to it. And I love that you're like, you know, you, you said yes to the opportunity, even though you aren't licensed in the Philippines, you said, I'll find an architect of record. And that's also creating that community and creating that relationship. Now you have a contact in the Philippines. They have a contact in the United States. You can keep growing together. You don't know what other projects will, you know, maybe they'll have someone reach out to them who wants to build something in the U.S. And you can be part of that relationship you just never know where work is going to come from and the relationships you're going to meet along the way. hundred percent. I, I really believe in that and just show up, right? Like right. we can't be super transactional. I go to this event called independent lodging Congress. Mm-hmm. It's a hospitality event. And the founder, you know, always says in the beginning, this event, you're not allowed to pitch and no selling. He said, I know your, your boss has brought you here to make connections and to, to win whatever proposals, but in our Congress, in our we build relationships so that maybe we'll want to work with you in the future. Mm. And I love that about that, you know, no pitching and no selling. And it's it's great. 
I've been able to get work even without pitching or selling because they just like me as a human being, right? You just kind of like, you obviously want to work with people you like and you trust. So, yeah. No, absolutely. And that there's so much that goes behind the personality of a person and working with them speaks more for the longevity of your relationship and your professional relationship because if they have incredible work but they're an asshole to work with, you're not going to work with them on another project, you know? Exactly. It's, it doesn't matter. Your, your work speaks for itself in one way, but then your personality, your team, your professionalism, that's what's going to get you that next job. Yeah, and also being authentic, that's that's a big one. Mm-hmm. If you're yourself and authentic and you don't have a facade and you don't, you know, it, it's easier for people to get to know you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're fake and if you try to, I don't know if bullshit is the word, but if you try too hard, people yeah. can see through that. Mm-hmm. So it's good to just, you know, like sometimes my Filipino accent comes out. My kids make fun of me, but my husband thinks it's cute. So whatever. <laughs> right. It's, and then I tried speaking with an American accent and my kids are like, ew, mom. You know, so I am who I am. You know, when yeah. I talk to Filipinos, I might have my slight Filipino accent, but whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, it's you. And and yeah. it's amazing. And I, I resonate too with what you're saying about being of mixed cultures. So I was born in the Czech Republic, but then I've grown up in the United States. And so I understand what you're saying is even though I don't have, I kind of have an accent sometimes in Czech, I'll notice it from English, but it's more of like the way I, my grammar is just off or I'll say something because I'll translate it from English to Czech and it won't right. make sense. But it's just like, that's just who you are. You just, and that brings another level of personality and makes you unique. Yeah. And also that's how, you know, the business grew. I'm going to share with you mm-hmm. before my business was called MG Schlachter mm-hmm. and I never showed my face. My website didn't have my face because I was working with big clients. I didn't want people to know that the person running MG Schlachter was a tiny Filipina. I'm barely five feet, right? So so I never put my face on the website and people thought MG Schlachter was run by like, uh, you know, an old Jewish white man, right? <laughs> oh my it's gosh. hilarious. And so when I went to coach, I mean, to Michael Kors in New York City, I only work with three or four people in the team, the, the architecture mm-hmm. group. But when I went there, because I was the, one of their biggest suppliers of drafting and, you know, drawings. They, so everyone was making a big fuss. They're calling people. Hey, MG Schlachter's here. They called finance. They called everyone. They're, they're all like, we're in the 12th floor. MG Schlachter's here. So all the the guys came to see me. They're like, oh, you're MG Schlachter? <laughs> <laughs> they were so surprised to see like a tiny Filipina. I'm like, yep, it's me. But I didn't want to show myself because I was insecure about my race, my gender, my everything. Because I didn't think that they would trust me because I was Filipina. Mm-hmm. But I changed that. Now I started the architect my life. I'm the person behind MGS Global. But people seem are not bothered by it. So the company has grown ever since I started being front-facing. So mm-hmm. there you go. <laughs> and when did that shift happen? When did you start putting your face on the website? So my business development manager in 2016, when she, when he said, I can't work with you unless we start from scratch, he looked, he's like, how come your name is not there? How come you didn't put the fact that you're, you went to Columbia University, that you went to NJIT? Why are you hiding all of that? I said, well, we don't brag. We're Filipino. We don't like to brag about ourselves. And he's like, nope, let's change that. Take a cute photo of you. Put the 
NJIT Columbia up front and talk about your accomplishments. It was very uncomfortable. And I said, I'm so mm-hmm. insecure because I'm Filipina. It's like, get over it. And so that's when it started. Like I became front facing. And even my husband was like, Aya, you have nothing to worry about. You know, it's actually good to be a minority female, my minority owned business. It, so that in 2016, 17, that's when I started. We rebranded from MG Schlachter to MGS Global Group. So, okay. So that's when it all started. So I think that like what Joanne was saying, like mm-hmm. building a personal brand is really important because people will know the person behind the company. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, so that's when it happened. It it took a while, like it took maybe two to three years before I was comfortable being the ambassador for my company. <laughs> and that's the thing a lot of people don't realize is it's not overnight success. It does take a couple years. It does take, it takes hard work. It takes consistency. And like I have the hundred episodes plus on my podcast and that's been very consistent. And it hasn't been until really the last few months that I've seen substantial growth in my numbers, in the you know the guests I've been able to have on, and it's just showing up and being consistent, and it is putting that hard work in, and so it's that's a huge aspect of it. I want to come back to one thing that you mentioned. It was kind of talking about you know you have to put yourself out there, go to the meetings, go network, meet with people, because another thing that a lot of you know early like young business owners think is you're going to get just this like it's just all going to come to you. This it's going to be a passive flow of income of just, you're going to sit at your desk and the phone's going to start ringing. Like, no, that's not it at all. And you have to put yourself out there. And that's the one thing that I struggled with at the beginning is networking and putting myself out there because it was so new to me. But then I've started to get better at it and better. And then I took a break, you know, over the last few weeks or so over the holidays. And now I'm coming into the new year and I'm already networking. I'm presenting at a middle school and high school to talk about architecture. Same thought of you going to your high school, even though to meet with people, you just never know who you're going to meet, who you're going to network with. And it's being active, not being passive. True. Just show up. I mean, plus you're providing value. When people invite, I used to say no to a lot of things because I was shy. But then my dad said, you know, when people invite you, that means they want you there. You should be honored. You know, go to as much so as many events as you can because you're built. It's foundational, right? You'll never know when they'll need a, my business is B2B. So I work with architects. But, you know, if I were like a regular architect, I could meet like my kid's classmate and maybe their their parents would want to build a house in Hawaii. Right. You'll yeah. never know. So, no. yeah, just try push yourself and get out of your comfort zone. And just even if it's awkward, even if you're standing by yourself. It's okay. People will talk to you. <laughs> I did For that sure. so many times. I just hang out in the bar waiting. And at the end of the evening, I make connections, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. Even if you don't want to go. Because there's been moments where yeah. I'm like, I don't want to go. But then if I've at least given my business card out to one person, I see that as successful. That means yes. I've connected with one person. Regardless if I spent, you know, just kind of standing in the corner waiting as long as I gave at least one business card out or talked to someone, that was a successful evening. It was, you know, but it's it's putting yourself out there. And I like your message, just you have to go for it. You have to go yes. for it. And it's scary because being an entrepreneur is a roller coaster of emotions. From the day-to-day to your journey of, you know, you were killing it, you had a huge team, and then something completely out of your control affected all of a sudden your day-to-day business. And so 
moving through those challenging times, what is your kind of advice? You know, I know there's talks of, are we in a recession, not in a recession? And I can't quite get the right answer from anybody, but because for example, where I live, we're still building. People are still signing up. You're in California, right? Where are you? Yeah. Orange County. Oh, wow. And so we're, and then we're also there. I'm working at coastal town, Laguna beach. It's a little bit of a bubble. So a lot of the economic changes that happen throughout the country don't always affect us. So we're still, I know I'm still signing up projects, even though I know I saw AIA, they mentioned that the number of contracts being signed in this last two quarters of 2023 went down compared to the first two quarters. So my question for you is, you know, you're someone, a new business owner is going through, like for me, you're going through a challenging times or you're thinking you may be facing a challenging time. What is your advice? I think you should prepare for it financially because everything is financial, right? Obviously, mental health is important, but you need to have a nest egg. Like if if you're profitable right now, make sure you set aside money in a separate account because you don't want to be, you know, having no money is stress if you can't pay your bills, right? Right. Or your car or whatever. So prepare, like if when you're making a lot, make sure you put some away, like be disciplined when you do that. But also one of the things I tell a lot of entrepreneurs is you should apply for a line of credit. I don't know if you've gotten that far, but when you apply for a line of credit, I think they will give you 10% of your gross sales. So if you're making 250 a year, then the, the banks will loan you 25,000 or something like that. So at least, I mean, with, you know, it can just sit there for a rainy day. But mm-hmm. don't wait to get a line of credit when you have no income. So if you know that you have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, five hundred thousand of sales, go to the bank right now and say, "Hey, I would like to apply for a line of credit," and then they'll ask for your financials and get give you ten percent, I think, okay. and then have that nest egg. That's what I did before the pandemic. Every year, as my income grew higher, mm-hmm. I would go to the bank and ask for an increase. That's how I was able to sustain my staff for six months during the pandemic when everything was slow, I used my line of credit. Oh, that's great advice. So you got to be smart about those things. Don't ask for a line of credit when you don't have money. So if you're at the right. top and you know that you made you did well this year, go to the banks and do that. That's great advice. I'm not there, uh, not there yet because I'm only like barely a year in, but that's great advice for it because I do have a separate account, a high-yield savings account that a percentage of what I make, also because taxes... Because your company, is your company based in the U.S. or the Philippines? I have two companies. One is MGS Global here. And then I have another company in the Philippines. So my company in the Philippines is a client of MGS Global. Because I need a a company there because I'm giving everyone benefits, social security. So I run two companies. That's incredible. And how is your experience working setting up a business in the U.S. versus in the Philippines? Setting up a business in the U.S. is so easy. You can set up a business yeah. in like two hours. Just yeah. do your LLC. <laughs> that is true. In the Philippines, it's so long. Like really? with, between the banks, you know, it's a you know developing country. They're, the systems are not in place. So it took like six months just to get everything, all the paperwork. You got to, you know, get your names, you know, make sure no one has the same name. It, it was long. But yeah, doing business in establishing a business in the U.S. is way easier than the Philippines. <laughs> interesting. That's interesting because, yeah, so you're an LLC. Yeah. Okay. I'm an S-corp, so I don't know if that was a little different. It's an LLC acting as an S-corp. It's an S-corp. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, you can do that, it. yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And then 
One thing coming up is taxes. Do you have any advice on how to prepare for taxes besides having like, I feel like that's what I'm also building is a nest egg because of taxes coming up. Have you seen a difference between the US and then I don't know how the tax system works in the Philippines? It's the same. I mean, the Philippines is similar to the US. So I pay taxes there. I pay taxes here. But you should always have set aside. I know every quarter we have to pay estimated taxes, right? Right. Yeah. So do that to prepare for the taxes because, I mean, I, I have to pay for taxes coming up. It's a lot. But, you know, I'm I'm saving. I'm saving right. every month. Yeah. No, that's it's and that's something business people also thinking about being a business owner. So if there's anybody listening, you know, who's thinking about becoming a business owner, these are really great tips that I and I are talking about is having that nest egg, saving money, also putting yourself out there. What else would you share with someone who's thinking about starting their own business? You need a good family support system or support system because you can't do it alone, right? I mean, for me, now I have like 40 employees. I could not have done the growth without, you know, having these people around me. And if you really want to succeed as a business owner, you have to give away all of the hats that you're wearing. You can't wear all of the hats because you're never going to grow. I used to do drafting. It's wow. funny because I stopped. I'm a drafting company, but when I stopped drafting, the business grew, right? Really? When I personally stopped drafting because if you're drafting, how else are you going to do meet people, do business development? Mm-hmm networking events. I was way too busy doing project delivery. Because of that, the business kind of went down in 2016. I was busy with the day-to-day, right? So as a business owner, you have to really think about hiring as not an expense, but as an investment. And a lot of new business owners are very tight, right? Because cash flow is hard. But the more you release the funds and the money, your business will grow because it will free up your time to do other things. So I know it's very hard for a solopreneur to start hiring an assistant or like a bookkeeper, but it is necessary because if you haven't built your clients in six months, that will cut into your your cash flow, right? So yeah, trust other people, transfer information, remove some of the hats that you're used to wearing yourself if you really want growth. So that has to change. You know, you can't be transactional, whatever you see in your bank account that will, no, you have to provide for others so that they can give back to you as well. Yeah, Delegating yeah. is very important. I think that's one thing is certain bosses, even bosses who have multiple people under them, there's that micromanaging. And micromanaging is so detrimental. I was just talking to someone about that, about how, you know, if you're micromanaging all of your employees and everybody, you know, you're why hire employees if you don't trust them? And delegate True. that work to them. That's why you have the team that you've created. And so I think you're so right about, you know, spreading the work, especially delegating, especially in areas that you're not good at. So like we talked about, I have a podcast editor because that was one thing I, you know, I wanted to start podcasting, but I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to learn how to podcast. I don't, it's just, I just was like, this isn't, and it's not something that I wanted to do. I wanted to really connect with people. And this allows me to connect with guests, be able to do interviews. And then I have an incredible podcast editor who does the editing for me. And that allows the podcast to grow as well. I can't imagine not having her because without her, I would be, I probably would be on episode 10, not episode 100 and something. (laughs) And you have a team too. And that's the important, like you mentioned, you have your podcast manager, you have a team that's helping you because like I've said on social media, a lot of times is it takes a village to have a company, to start a company and to keep a company running. It can't be a one person show 24 seven. 
Yeah, exactly. And and that's one thing that I love about my work. I mean, I've put my dreams of being an architect aside, but at the same time, like I'm helping over a hundred architects on a day-to-day basis, right? Help, helping them with project delivery and also maybe hopefully having a better work-life balance instead of drafting and doing all the CDs, I do all of that. And then they can spend more time at home, right? Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, I'm Filipino, I'm giving back to my employees, right? So now we have 40 people on staff, that's 40 families, right? With their health Mm -hmm. insurance and things like that. So I've given my dream as being an architect has shifted to now serving architects. So at first, I was always really guilty, like, oh, man, I went to Columbia University, I, I don't have a license. I'm a failure, right? Every time I study, I'm like, oh, I get pulled into all of these things. But my operations manager said, why are you still wanting to be an architect when you're already serving all of the architects? You're good. Like, you don't also want to compete with your clients, right? Very true. Very but true. But still, it's like, there's a stigma that I never got that paper, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll get no. over it. <laughs> And that's one amazing thing. Going back to what your dad said about architecture is like architecture is an umbrella of you can do so much with an architecture degree. You don't have to necessarily be an architect with an architecture degree. You don't have to be designing buildings. And that's the incredible thing. It created this foundation for you, for your business, you know, for you to be able to, you still love architecture. You're in the architecture community. You're still connecting with architects. You're able to design, you know, if you wanted to design, you still have, you've kept that door open if you did want to get licensed, you know, and now there's so many incredible study networks too. If you're the ARES, that's a whole nother challenging journey (laughs) within itself. I did not have a good time with the ARES. And so, but, so I understand like, that's also an intimidating thing, but it's not the end all be all. If you don't exactly. have and carb, it isn't yeah. all. And you have created something, and I and I'm sure it's going to be inspiring to so many listeners. Is even though you have an architecture degree, you don't have to be that licensed architect. Yeah, and Mark LePage he interviewed me in the podcast. He's like, "You are an architect, even <laughs> though you don't have." I'm like, "Thanks, Mark." It's like anyone who went through architecture school, you know, you're serving the community, and da da da. I'm like, okay, I'm kind of getting over it. You know, that was like ten years ago when I was still like having issues that I never got that paper but who knows right when I'm 60 I'll get that paper (laughs) you could (laughs) you could right no and one thing I want to touch on too with you is you are a mother as well to two children and having a company and being a mother at the same time that is something that I'm it's in the future for me any advice well, you're on the right track because you have freedom of time, right? right? Imagine if you're an employee and you you were a mother, you would feel so guilty about taking time off or leaving at three o'clock. The good thing about being an entrepreneur is that you have your own schedule. You have your, which is probably why you started. You know, you have yeah. it's you're free. You have that freedom. In the beginning, you probably it's going to be very rough. So make yeah. sure you have people around you I don't know if you have family you need to rely on that support or you know maybe start saving up so you can spend the first three or four months being at stay at home for me it was three or four months after being a stay-at-home mom I'm like oh my god I can't do this so when my it's like you're just talking to your three-month-old right you're like what am I doing with this thing 
<laughs> so that's when I started. You will know when it's time. That's when I started mm-hmm. getting drafting work at three or four months. You get the hang of it. So give yourself three to four months to get used to motherhood. That's the that's the sweet spot before. But plan for it, right? Plan that you'll probably take three months off and then save and then start building and start looking for daycare or nannies that can come to your house to help you because you can't watch your baby and work. It's not possible. I tried. I tried with my daughter. Like, it's okay. It's my, no, you're constantly breastfeeding or feeding or changing Mm -hmm. diapers. So plan and save for it already. But it is possible to, I mean, a lot of moms do it. So, and I I think, you know, as an architect, we have the skills. We don't sleep, right? (laughs) (laughs) Very true. (laughs) We're prepared. Yes. Yeah, but have a good support system like your spouse or Mm -hmm. your friends or like a mother's group. When I gave birth years ago, there was a mother's group in Jackson Heights for babies that were born within the first quarter of the year. So we had a group that really supported each other. So try looking for those groups Mm. also because having the first child is very hard. The second, third and fourth and so on gets easier. But the Mm. first one is kind of like a shock to your system. (laughs) You know, like giving birth is the easy part, right? People right. people have like classes on how to give birth and the breathing, but the after the baby's out, like, what do you do? You have to keep it alive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my parents were in the Philippines, so I didn't have support. My in-laws were in Cleveland, but I'm I, we were in New York, right? So, but my sister came from Philly to help me for two weeks to really help me mm-hmm. <laughs> manage, yeah. So prepare financially, prepare for it, prepare that for the first three months or four, you probably will be at home and not working. But maybe who knows, you might be working. I don't know. If your baby sleeps through the night, then it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, again, going back to thinking about what we were talking about as a business owner, that future, like the unknowns, what to plan for. And it seems like it's very similar. You're it's once you have this child, the baby, it's planning for something. So you sounded like sounds like it's very similar. Have the funds, delegate the work, find that team. So there's so many similarities between having running a company and and having a child. But I also want to share a story. I'm okay. not a big, I don't promote my business. I, I mean, when I say I don't promote, I don't sell. I'm not there like putting ads and stuff. I don't do that. But one time I was in hanging out in, I think, Women Architects Collective. No, no, Mothers in Architecture. And there was this okay. lady She posted. She's like, help. I don't know if I should quit my job. I'm giving birth to my fifth child. Oh my and gosh. I'm the breadwinner of the family. What should I do? And I'm like, fifth child, and she's the breadwinner because I think the husband was, I don't know what the husband did, but so I reached out and I said, you know what, when are you giving birth? She's like, you know, three months. I'm like, can I help you? Like we do architecture support. Don't give up your income. Don't, don't tell your clients you're off because you're having, and then her kids are all Mm -hmm. under 12 or under 10. Oh my gosh. And, (laughs) and so I reached out to her and I said, you know what? Before you do that, why don't you onboard our team? We'll give you a good rate. Just work with my team so that you'll have income, you know, maybe for the next three months of your being a new mom again, then you'll have income. So we worked together for like a year. She never stopped. And then now she's she's back on track working. She has everything settled. But I, I reached out to that person on Facebook and I said, you know, I'm not a big promoter or selling. Mm-hmm. I don't like to 
cold call, but I I'm, I'm offering this to you because I don't want you to lose your 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 income, right? Yeah. So that's one thing that setting up you know your systems like having an outsourcing company or a partner in your area who can mirror you or shadow you for now. So when you give mm-hmm. birth, they can take over your jobs, right? That's so huge. Yeah. So find people there who are at the same level who want to work with you part time or even, you know, a drafter like what you're so that it's continuous. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great advice. That's really great advice. Well, Aya, thank you so much. This has been connecting with you and just talking with you. I feel like we are on the same page with so much. And I really admire your journey, having your company, the challenges you overcame with just not only the pandemic, but having two children and then having companies in two different countries on different sides of the world. That is incredible. And your podcast, I know it's just you also are have so much going on and you you do it with such class. And I think like you said, you you know, you put yourself out there and I think you do it so lovely. Thank you, Katerina. And where can listeners find you? LinkedIn. I'm a big okay. LinkedIn person. So Aya Schlachter. For my podcast, it's Instagram, Architect My Life Podcast on Instagram and my personal Instagram, Aya Schlachter. God, oh, and also I'm- my Facebook group, Architect My Life, Facebook group for women architects. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of From the Honeycomb Podcast. As we conclude, I want to express my gratitude for joining me in today's episode. I hope you have found it insightful and inspiring. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate, review, and click that like button so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to share this with your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at From the Honeycomb Podcast. And you can also further your support of From the Honeycomb by visiting the patron link provided in the show notes. Your contribution helps make more episodes possible. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to my monthly newsletter, A Spark of Positive Energy, that comes out on the 7th of each month. Thank you so much and see you next Friday.